on the tee from Australia, Adam Scott. There it is, Adam Scott. Expect anything different? Brilliant. What an up and down that was. In your life have you seen anything like that? Welcome to the clubhouse. Oh yeah, we're back. It's a big weekend of golf right around the world, right around Australia. Great to have your company. This is The Clubhouse. Mm. Julian Bayard is my name. Mark Allen is here. Big thanks to Cam Luke for filling in on last week's show. We appreciate that from Cam while I was away, but uh, good to be back, Marco. What a weekend it is. It's very nice to have a single-figure Marco on the other side <laughs> just, of the desk when I'm doing a golf just, show. It's, ju- it's going Why, what's happened? I've had a couple of horrid rounds. What's Marco. happened, mate? You've disappeared for one rounds, week and you've yeah. lost it. <laughs> I've gone and played Royal Melbourne a couple of weeks ago, and ever since then... <laughs> You can't go back. It's only the number five golf course in the world, so you've only got four, four four above it. Yep. And I've I've gone and played some <laughs> some local tracks since then, and there's a yeah. few things that have annoyed me, Mark. Go on. I'm going to list them later on in the show. You're going to do it a bit later, I'm right? Gonna top ten things that have annoyed me. Yeah, all right, <laughs> fair a enough. Few things. I tell you what, <laughs> I want to get off my chest. After watching this US Open, yep. I'm dying to play. I want to go play. Oh, open. I do. I want to go play. How good does it? Even look? though it looks tough and and all the rest of it, I reckon when it's set up for the members, and mm-hmm. it probably goes back to a par seventy two and the roughs back. Yep. It just looks like a classic, and I, I remember Ernie Els winning here. He shot. 279, which was actually five under par, but it was a par 71 in 94. Yep. Um, when he played, there were trees all over the golf course. And here's a place where you couldn't see one hole to the next. You, you literally couldn't mm-hmm. see because the trees were so big and so beautiful and all the rest of it. But my goodness, does it look unbelievable this particular yeah. week. And even though it's very difficult, even though the rough is crazy and all the rest of it, I just want to play this place. Some, <laughs> some of those beautiful old classic American courses. Yeah. Ah, sensational. Hey, what do you reckon you'd shoot? You're a single-figure marker. Uh, what do you reckon be, you would shoot on this course? I'd be wrapped to break 100. I, 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 it's funny you say that because I was listening to Mark Hayes, uh, who does great work for everybody back here yes, in this country. He works for Golf Australia. He does. Uh, you, can, you can read his stuff at the Golf Australia website. He, yep. He's very, very good. Um, he asked Jason Day, because uh, Jason's seen mm-hmm. Hayes, he plays. He said, what do you reckon I'd shoot on this place? And, and Jason Day said you wouldn't shoot 130, which <laughs> is probably an exaggeration. Yeah. But... I used to take people, I still take people on um, on Augusta trips, yes. uh, the Chasing Birdies Tour, chasingbirdies.com.au, uh, if you want to go uh, in a couple of years or next year or whenever you'd like. Uh, we take people, we always stop somewhere beforehand, and in 2008, we stopped at Torrey Pines. Right, yes. Now, Torrey Pines is where Tiger Woods won his last major championship in 91 holes. So they four rounds, he was tied with Rocco Mediate, played the 18-hole playoff, still tied, and then won on the first mm. extra hole with a broken leg. Question mark over that broken leg, but that's another story. <laughs> yes. Anyway, um, our group of about, I don't know, there must have been 24 of us, mm-hmm. teed it up at uh, this course, and the rough was up, all set in preparation for it. No one broke 100. Yeah. Not one. There were some good golfers. You know, yeah. There were some bad golfers too. Where'd you go? I was, uh, now I'm glad you asked. I was, <laughs> I was two over par with four holes to play, but I was playing ridiculous you know i was holding bomb one bomb after another yep. i ended up shooting 80 yeah. so i really made right. a mess of the last yeah. few holes Still but it was <laughs> but it was it's, it's very hard and what it does is, is people don't understand how to play out of the rough once you get the hang of playing out of the long rough then i think people can shoot in the 90s maybe even the 80s but if you've never seen rough like if you come from australia mm. and you've never seen rough like that before then you don't you don't get you don't get the issues yeah like our group, they're trying to hit four irons out of lies that Tiger Woods would try and hit a yeah. nine-nine out of. Well, Marco, you <laughs> they don't get it. You've obviously read my run sheet. Why? I've got point number two. Yeah, come on. 
playing out of this long rough. Yeah. How do we do it? Oh, because well. I watched, I watched, um, I can't remember the name of the show. It's uh, one of the golf channel in the US. Yep. Uh, they do like a lesson every week. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it golf? The, golf Fix or something? Golf Fix, that's, yeah, it. that's it. And I uh, watched it last night and it was brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Um, it was a replay from earlier on in the week and yeah. um, he was talking about all the different uh, intricacies of Oakmont and he was giving a, a bit of a masterclass like you do yeah. about playing out of the rough. And yeah. It was fascinating watching. Absolutely no, he's fascinating. He's good, that guy. He talks a lot, but yeah. he's, he's really, really good. And talks quickly. And talks fast. <laughs> he used to be the assistant pro at Augusta Country Club. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, Augusta National, excuse mm. me. Not, not, the, not the Country Club, Augusta yeah. National. So they pinched him out of there. I'll think of his name in a second. Yeah, uh, yeah the, only, the only thing he can do, uh, it's, it's like... When, when the rough is that long, um, the way they describe it in America, it's like trying to hit a sand wedge or an iron with a head cover on the iron. It just It's a marshmallow yeah. because you catch so much grass in between the ball. But what happens is it decelerates the club so much and your hands continue to go forward. So it actually de-lofts the club as well. And when the club is de-lofted in this rough, then the ball actually never gets any elevation yep. to get out of the rough. So you've got, to open, you've got to open the club up a little bit. So I think you've always got to open the club face yes. up to give it extra loft. I also think you have to pick the club up with your hands mm-hmm. very steeply yep. because when you come down on that sharper descent, yep. you don't catch as much, much grass, grass. Yeah, between the club That's and the ball. But you've always got to remember when, the gr- when, it, when it is that long, it doesn't matter how strong you are. Yep. It doesn't matter whether you're a tiger. That club and that rough will be... Or the the rough will de loft your club severely. Mm. So the ball, unless you can hit a golf ball through a telephone book, which would be the equivalent, <laughs> yep. you just you can't do it. Yep. You can't hit the ball through that much rough. So you've got to get the ball to come up as fast as you can. So with experience, sometimes you can your ball might be in some long grass, but right in front of your ball, there might have been a footprint or an old divot. So your ball mightn't have that much grass to go through. So it's not just the entry where the Golf club or yes. the the club head will will um, attack the ball, but it's also you got to look at the entry point or the exit point yeah, of the golf out. ball, how it's going to come out. So there's a there's a bit to diagnose over there in US Open Michael type Breeze conditions. Was his name too. Michael Breeze, well That's done. Yeah. yeah, he's good. Good talker. Yeah, so a good talker. You want the the club coming in on a sharp angle and the ball coming out on a sharp angle. Oh, on the well. sharp angle. So the only thing eliminate you can do, the ball and the club being in the rough for as long as possible. As much drag as possible yep. with clubhead coming into the ball mm-hmm. and also ball leaving the rough. Yeah. You're paying a lot. You're paying attention. Yes. You'll, you'll be down to four or five <laughs> soon. The way not, you're going. Not the way I'm going. <laughs> I like what you're doing. You know what you're talking hey, about these days, Jules. It's very good. US Open, Marco. These courses like Oakmont. And we yep. saw it last year as well. These ridiculously quick greens. Yep. Um, a lot of people out there are saying, "Do we want to see a tournament where five overs going to win?" Yep. What do you think? Fair? Is it fair? Is it a? Is it the best test in golf? Like they say, once a year. I'm all for it. You like it once a year? Once a year, as yep. long as it's not crazy. Yeah. See, I, I, I played in one major. I was really lucky yep. to play in one major. It was the Open Championship at Carnoustie, mm-hmm. 1999. It's the year the little Frenchman went crazy. Now, that golf course was set up unfair. There were layups on par fives that were six steps wide. Yeah. So as wide as this room. Mm. And it's a, you know, you're trying to lay up. <laughs> and, and, and you know what links fairways are like. There are yeah. hills and mounds and valleys. and We couldn't get the ball to stop this particular week, let alone. As long as they don't do crazy stuff like they did that week at Carnoustie, which most people say is the toughest setup that anyone has ever seen in major golf history. Mm-hmm. Six over got into a playoff. It was perfect conditions, mind you. Mm. And by the end of the week, they they understood their mistakes and they were cutting all the rough back. Yep. Um, as long as they don't go crazy, 
then it's okay. Now, from what I've seen this week, I haven't seen any rough in front of the greens, which is a big help. Yep. So you can actually hit a wedge from the rough and bounce the ball onto the front. Some of the US Opens where it's just an island green and there is long rough before the green, I think that's where it's getting really unfair. Mm. Because all you can do then is, is pitch out. But you want, you, know, you want players to look at that lie in the rough and say, you know what, if I jam a 9-9 out of this, if I take a risk and jam a 9-9 out of this lie, maybe I'll get a flyer and maybe the ball will bounce on the front edge and I'll have putter out. So that gamble, that risk-reward situation, that's what we want to see. We want to see people gambling and, and trying to escape. But when they've got the rough before the green like they used to always <laughs> do, well, there's no what, – what, you might as well – there's no risk. There's yeah. no gamble. Yeah. There's no reward for taking that. There's risk. nothing. Yeah. I mean, you've just got to chip it out and hit your wedge on. But what we've been seeing this week is, is different. So even though it's extremely hard, even though there is a – you know, a 280-yard par three. <laughs> Downhill, I know, but still ridiculous. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that's a par four for the members. It used to be par 80 when they first built it. Really? A par 80. 80. Yeah, par 80. <laughs> and I've also, yeah, courses like Huntingdale, very yeah. famous tournament golf course. I've seen a golf card at Huntingdale, one of the first ever cards there. It was a par 78. So the first was a par five. You know, so yeah. the same sort of stuff has happened through time, but they always seem to come back. So for the members of 72... Um, for the tournaments, at most US Opens, you know, they come down to a 71 or a 70. Uh, yeah, I, I, I want to play this course. Mm. I, I want to go check it out. Yep. You see that Nick- Church Pew, I think it's Church Pew Bunker. Yeah, there's some on the third. They're the really yeah. famous ones. And then yeah. there are the baby Church Pews yeah. on about the 15th. How good does it look? How good does it look? <laughs> it does look sensational. It does look really good. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, it's funny when they get a course set up. Again, I would love to see these golf courses for a club championship, for instance, and just see how they do things then. Yeah, Yeah. I I would like to see it. But look, for the the world's best um, and for a US Open, I think, these conditions, I think they're getting it right. You know, yeah. they'll move tees forward. You know, we saw that at Torrey Pines last mm-hmm. time. Uh, the Open was played there. They were moving tees forward, so you've got the option to drive a couple of holes. So the 17th, I reckon last time it was played there, Jim Furyk uh, took out driver and tried to, you know, attack the last hole. Uh, ended up making a bogey and losing to Angel Cabrera by a shot. And Tiger Woods, I think, was one shot behind as well. So I like that situation as well. The 17th is only a short par four. But uh, the boys will be, you know, maybe having to ping on that last day just to, to make up some ground. So yep. there's, there's lots to like about Oakmont. I, I, I love the place. I just, I love the whole narrative around yeah. the course and U.S. Open, and it's just, you oh, know, it's so good. You know, the the, the greens uh, here in Australia, we we try to get rid of Poa. It's called Poana yep. uh, greens. They have a strain of Poana mm-hmm. that they never want to get rid of. Apparently, it is so pure, so perfect, right. and so fast. Now, if you've played Yarra Yarra down here in Melbourne, uh, they've got Poa greens as well. Uh-huh. And they have very fast greens, particularly in winter, because they don't have to worry about the, the Poa burning off in summer. You know, it doesn't survive well mm-hmm. without water. Um, but up there in you know the high country, yeah. you know, you're getting north up there in Pennsylvania, it lot doesn't of, get as hot. The members, they reckon, you know, that they play their greens 
when the ball runs at about 15, 15 and a half. <laughs> They're saying, the members are saying that they had to, had to slow the Greens down for the pros this week. Oh, <laughs> please. <laughs> they say it every time it's played there, mate, so I can only believe them. I can only believe them. And if, like I said, if you've ever played Yarra Yarra Golf Club and you know how fast those Greens can get, yes. I mean, you can imagine an even finer strain yeah. of power Greens. <laughs> they would be unbelievably quick. Very true, yeah. but unbelievably quick. And, uh, you know, I think... I think if you use all your money trying to improve the yeah. power you've got instead of trying to spend all your money trying to get rid of power, then I think it's a it's a good surface to play. And, you know, with yeah. rollers and everything that they know now, I don't think it's such a bad surface. Maybe you're better, you know, some of the clubs who are spending yeah. millions of dollars trying to get rid of it. Yes. Maybe they should have a quick look this week and see what they're doing over there and, and maybe they can bring it back. Love some of the videos earlier in the week, Marco, of the players on their practice rounds. Just yeah. having, just tricking up on yeah. the greens and, you know, Rory's shot where he hit it up the hill and yeah. came back down and then trickled into the green. What about the ninth hole? What about the ninth hole where the green is actually an extension the of the practice, practice putting green? green? Well, how does that work? Oh, I don't know, but I, I love all that, that stuff. There's yeah. a, just a little dip. There's a yeah. little gully. There is, yeah. There's a little gully and then there's... You you know, the practice green, all the players are warming up. <laughs> but I love those crazy little things, yeah. you know. The little things like that, like a crossover hole in mm. some courses. Yes. Just the little idiosyncrasies, just something that's out of whack. Yep. I love it. You know, at, King at Kingston Heath, when they play um, a tournament there these days, the first hole, or it's actually the 10th hole when they play a tournament there these days, but the tee... The 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 tee is actually basically one step out of the spike bar, you know. It's right <laughs> next to the clubhouse. Yeah, just those little weird things at golf courses make them. You know, at, at Royal Ad Royal Adelaide, uh, the train goes right through the middle of the course. Yeah. All that sort of stuff. Just some of the weird little things. Some of the golf courses in Britain where there are actually stone fences that have been around for <laughs> 600 years that just run right next to a green. Yep. All those little things are fantastic. Things and, that are unique to a golf course. Yeah. We'll and have to uh, look at that one week. Yeah, just, well, maybe we should. Yeah. And, and you know, just Oakmont with the practice putting green being part of the ninth green. I reckon yeah. that's another one mm. in, the, in the same vein that we're talking about. Love it. We've got to get to a break, Marco. We're going to come back. A few things that... <laughs> played to, played yeah, twice. I want to hear this. Played twice in the last four. I haven't haven't had thirty points on either round. Yeah, so that's, that's no good, mate. And there's a few things that have. Uh, <laughs> have you been putting from off the green where you can? Yeah, you when start I can. But chipping, mate, off I these wet lies, you'll need, be in trouble. I need to uh, talk to you about some long range putts All a little right, bit later on it. as well. Let's <laughs> do get it. to a break. More clubhouse right after this. In your life, have you seen anything like that? You're listening to the clubhouse. Welcome back to the clubhouse. Great to have your company. We're talking all things golf on this US Open weekend. Julian Bayard and Mark Allen with you. And Marco, a brilliant story we should mention from last weekend. Daniel Berger. Yes. Having a win. His first win. Did you see his golf swing? It's different. Yeah, it's an unusual golf mm. swing. And it's a skinny kid golf swing is what yeah. I call them. So <laughs> a lot of the time, and I've heard Daniel talk about this, um, a lot of the time when you are a skinny little kid, and you know you get knocked around the basketball court, or you get knocked around on the footy field, or whatever. Uh, you're too tall for soccer, mm -hmm. whatever it is, and you go to golf eventually. Um, because you are skinny, generally speaking, not too many skinny kids are muscly kids. That's right. So they're given a golf club. Quite often, mum's old golf clubs that are probably way too heavy for them. And Daniel Berger is uh, his golf swing is a result of him ingraining a golf swing when he was a kid because his clubs were too heavy. And I've, I've been to a couple of Tiger Woods clinics, and he always talks about this in, in his clinics, that some of the things that he fights in his golf swing are a result of his father years ago when you know there weren't any different products around, but he would, dad's just cut off their old clubs, yep. whacked the kid's grip on it and said, here you go, Charlie, <laughs> go, you and, go, go and play, go and play. But the clubs are too heavy. Yep. And 
what happens in the end is these little kids are swinging a golf club like it is a sledgehammer. Yep. And like if I gave you a sledgehammer to swing, Jules, <laughs> I wouldn't probably your swing wouldn't look high. the same. No. It just wouldn't. Um, so when you see Daniel Berger rip it inside up the top and you can see the club pointing in a, in a funny direction, it's a bit like somebody putting braces on your teeth. You know, your teeth want to go one way, but because there is so much pressure mm-hmm. on the golf club or, you, you know, making it fall one way, then you get stuck with the Daniel Berger type action. Nice analogy, Mike. And you can even see how you know you can see how skinny the kid is now to this yeah. day. I mean he's never going to put on weight his whole life. And it, it's funny because um, I watched him play on Sunday and I took my little boy, Kelly, down to hit a few shots and you know I, I got him a golf club uh, for Chrissy as a kid's club. Yep. But I was always worried about the grip. Yeah, even though it was a kid's grip, I mean, he, the grip was only a little bit smaller than my grips. Yeah, I, okay. I have thin grips on my clubs, but it was only a little bit smaller than my grips. I put his hand next to my hand, and his hand is half the size. Yeah. So we went in the pro shop, and you know, we had a bit of a chat, and I saw these clubs over in the corner. Now, there are two great styles of clubs you can get. U.S. kids, golf clubs, or golfing. It's golfing. like it's like dolphin, mm-hmm. but spelt golfing. Yep, um, they're great. So the reason they're good is because the grips are so small, and the shafts have a little bit of give. So even the kids' clubs that are, you know are in vogue at the moment, they're light, they're small, they're not anywhere near this stuff. So I'd watch Kelly, uh, my son, hit twenty five shots with his big driver. Yeah, and again, it's just like a little kid <laughs> swinging. Yeah, he's swinging a sledgehammer, yeah. even though it's light for us. It's so, it's so, so heavy for them. Yeah. And I, I caught my, the, the US kids display caught my eye. We went over there and I said, all right, come on, let's do that. So we got him one that fits. And you know, what they do is that they, you, your kid just stands next to this stick. Yep. And there are colors on the stick. And my boy was, uh, what what's Port Adelaide's green? What do you call that? Teal. Teal. Kelly was t- as tall as the teal color. Uh-huh. So we just grabbed a teal club. And we went back out there. Now, this club, the grips were so thin, like as thin as, you know, not much thicker than the pen you're holding there. That's right. So half the size of my grips. Yeah. He puts his hands on the club for the first time, and it was perfect. Uh, the the shaft had much more given it. Graphite shaft? Yeah, graphite shaft, yep. absolutely. And it was very, very light. It was probably you know, even lighter. But this, the head was smaller, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter at this age. I mean, if they have to struggle to find the yeah. face, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um but the difference, don't worry about you know, the shots went better, but the difference in swing was so important for me to see. Um, in particular, it's all Daniel Berger's fault. Thanks, Daniel, for you know, I was watching it and thinking, but poor kid has been battling yep. you know, his dad's heavy club since he was a kid. But again, Kelly, Kelly started swinging this club. It, he was having more fun. It was easy for him to do. He was holding his finish. All those beautiful habits that you want kids to do that you don't want to have to reteach them when they're about 12 – you want to get them to 12 and being able to hold the club properly when they're 12, finish properly, um, make a decent turn and not overswing. All those things that you want them done in cement by 12, he was doing. Uh, he turns you know, he turned seven today, actually, yeah. on, on Sunday. Future champion. Seven. So all those things he was doing. So it's just it's a no brainer for me. It makes an enormous difference. Now so teaching your kid, get him. Yeah, that's right. right. So now if he's at twelve years old and he's actually got all those things we're just talking about, then if he wants to go on with it, then it's not a big process to teach him actually how to play the game. So make sure you look out for golfing clubs for your Mm -hmm. kids if they're under ten. Or US kids golf clubs, because they are sensational. I'll tell you what, if your kid doesn't have the best swing by the time he's 12, Marco. Okay? <laughs> well, we're planning on a couple of Australian Opens. 
pretty early. Now, yeah. what have you seen on golf courses well, you're not man, happy I've about? Played twice in the last twenty um, something points. Yeah, should horrible. Be, should be ashamed of yourself. I, I am ashamed of myself. Good, but I've going around the course. I've got growingly frustrated with a few things that I've seen. Right, and a few things this I've played with, played with a couple of randoms. Right, they annoyed me with a few things. Right, so I think oh, a lot of people, good. a lot of people out there listening, can relate to a lot of what I'm about to say. Excellent. So, how often do you play with randoms? Uh, most weeks. Right. So That's most good. weeks I either play with my dad um, and a mate, and there's normally and a, another guy. Or yeah. last week I played just with a mate, and there were two other guys. Right. I cannot wait for this. So ten things, Marco. I've listed. Ten. We You've got a top around. ten. Yeah. A couple of them are other things people. that annoy you. A couple of things other people. A couple of things are. Equipment things and a couple oh, of things, of course, things. Golden. Let's go. So number ten. <laughs> number ten. When you're on the green, right, yeah, yeah. and your putt is or your ball is inside their line, you've marked it, yeah. and it's nowhere near the line of their putt, yeah. and you're somewhere else, and they go, "Oh, mate, can you just go and move your marker, club it to the right?" No, mate. If you're hitting that marker, yeah. <laughs> no, fair dinkum. Just say, mate, are you mate, kidding are you me? Seriously, like, yeah. Number ten. Good. And Tick. I reckon everyone agrees with that. Thumbs up. Tick. Number nine. Yep. Sun came out. Yes. The shadower. Oh, no. The man is sh- the shadow is straight in the line of my part, and you're like, mate, seriously? Yeah. Just mo- how hard is it? How about when the shadow's on your golf ball when oh. you're about to hit your driver? And, I mean, how many times? He starts looking around, yeah. you can see his hat going <laughs> yeah. all over the place. Yeah. He starts swinging an arm behind you because he thinks yeah. that he's not in your line. <laughs> yeah. So you need a fine system when we play. Yeah. All right. So, so there's two. That's number nine, the right. shadower. Yep. Tick. Number eight, the group in front of you, the slow play. Not the slow play. Just because they're slow, yeah. the overestimator of how good his shot's going to be. <laughs> so you're on a par five. <laughs> 270 right? metres out. And he hasn't hit one flush all day. He's only got a five wood in the bag. Hey, mate, if I get onto this, I could get <laughs> <Yeah>. that 280 <laughs> yes. onto that green. And you're back on the tee thinking, mate, you haven't hit one yeah. all day. And then he, he gets his driver out yeah. right? and he takes eight practice swings. Yeah. And there's, the people are still on the green, yeah. 280 away. And then he duffs it 50 metres up the, yep. the track. Yep. And he goes and plays again. And yep. he still doesn't hit it again. Tick. Oh, mate. Hate that guy. The overestimator on your ability. Hate that guy. Seriously. If you, fl- if you flush it and you make the green, when you next see the group, you go, sorry, guys, I didn't, yeah. didn't mean to get that far. If I didn't ball, think I could get if there. If the ball is actually just going to roll onto the green, <laughs> at your very, that's okay. Yep. You're only going to bruise someone's mate, ankle. You're not going to fly at 280 and yeah, that's right. hurt someone. <laughs> Jason Day can't fly at 280 yep. off the deck. So that was number eight, the, the uh, overestimator. Yeah, nice. Tick. Number seven. The guy who knows thinks he knows everything about golf. Right. So you're on the green. Hey, mate, that's not how you repair that pitch mark. Right. Like, mate, that's not how you do it. Hey, mate, you should be teeing up that ball a little bit higher than what you are. That's, and trust me, it'll make a cool. difference. That's not cool. Hey, mate, um, when you're lining up that putt, hold your putter up. I tell you, it makes a difference to the... Plum bobbing. Mate. Never been more he, ridiculous thing in golf than plum bobbing. The bloke's, the bloke's 80 shots habit. through seven holes. <laughs> He's giving you all these tips. <laughs> that's it. He's, play, he's playing off 28. <laughs> yeah, all right, I like that. So that's number seven. Yeah. Number six, the hole scooper. Too lazy to bend down and pick the ball out of the hole. Puts the toe of the putter in. Puts the toe of the putter in. It scoops it out and ruins the hole. Digs the ball out. Mate, there should be fines for all this. Just a dollar gold sco- coin. How hard is it to bend out? Gold if coin, you, If your knees are cooked, yep. get one of those little suction caps on the end of your putter. And yep. Get fine, fine system should be yep. in place at all golf clubs. So number six. Uh, number five, uneven tee boxes. Can't cop it. Yeah. So they've been, there's been it. that much sand put on there over time that it's in the shape <laughs> of a mound. <laughs> right? So you're lining up. You and always wonder, don't hitting you? Hitting on a downhill, downhill stance or an uphill stance. How hard is it to have a flat tee box? Just what, get it right. Why does it happen? Were they thinking about drainage back yeah, in those days? I don't know. They're going to make it like the old MCG, or like the old VFL out. Park used to be. Flatten it out. 
just make it flat. Yeah. All right. Yep. Number four. I love my GPS. Yeah. But when the batteries go halfway through a round, it's no good. Yeah, it's your own fault. No good. <laughs> but and it's just one of those things that annoys me because there's no warning light that your battery's about to go. Yeah. So you, you're taking a gamble before your yeah. round that you're going to last 18 holes. And when uh, you don't, you, you I played with out. a guy once over in the States. <laughs> yeah. He had a GPS, he had a rangefinder. Yeah. And he had the, the uh, GPS in the cart as well. Oh, no. So he would look at his own watch. Yeah. And see, it was you know two hundred and thirty-five. Then he would go into the golf cart. It was two hundred and thirty-five. Yep. Then he'd get the GPS out, and it was two hundred and thirty-six. Mm-hmm. And then he'd ask me what I thought. <laughs> I mean, come on, mate! Come on, mate. Hit the ball. <laughs> so, GPS battery number four. Yep. Number three, rain. Simple, easy rain. Can't yep. cop it. There's don't like it. Walk off. Go away. If it's there, if it's on the radar, mate, don't yep. play. Do number two. A number two, the shot counter. You put the ball in the hole and he goes back, stands on the green and goes, I was one in the trees, two chip out, three short, four onto the green, five. Then I think I three putted. Did I count that last one? Um, mate, you should know every shot, what shot it is. Mate, yeah, mate. <laughs> Come on. Like, that's number two. And number one, Marco. Number one. The bloke, the, non, roll, the non-ball watcher, he hacks one off the tee into the, into the rough, into the trees. Guy. And he bends down straight away and picks his tee up and look, doesn't watch yeah, it. And yeah. then goes up there and he's 50 metres away from where his ball was. Yep. And he goes, hey, mate, did you see where that one went? Hey, mate. Yeah, I did. But you weren't watching. So yeah. why am I going to help you? Mate. And then after he's done it about 15 times for the day and you <laughs> don't help him. Yeah. Because you he had goes, enough. Hey, mate, hey, mate, mate what about help? Yeah. Yeah. Watch the ball. Watch the ball. If you hit it in the rough. Watch the ball. That's, that's my number one hate on a yeah, golf course, good. Marco. Oh, for those guys, I just don't help. Yeah. If they hit it, if, they, if I know they haven't watched their ball yeah. and they're in the wrong spot, uh, I just keep walking. Bad luck. I'm playing my shot, mate. So watch the ball. Apologies, everyone, for the rant, but I had to get a few things. No, off I chest. think it was accurate. Yeah, I, I can't fault you on mm. one of them, except for the um, if you've pitched a plug mark. If you're not fixing your plug mark, plug mark oh, that's properly, a given, though. that's a given. Come on, mate. You're not making the big, you know, the big mud spot. Are you? You've got to make. You've got to bend the grass mate. in so there's no mud spot, mate. That is exactly what I was doing. And what old mate's he like, telling you well, to you do? get underneath and pull the thing up. I'm like, mate, oh, that's not how no, you do it. No, you don't pull the thing up. You, you scrunch yeah. the grass inwards. Yeah. And you I, scrunch. I often use my You don't pull anything up. Tap the top of the grass back across to make yeah, it look nice it. and neat. That's, that's what it. I was doing. And he comes up and goes, hey, mate, you know you should really be uh, digging it like this. I'm like, mate, no. have a look at all my pitch pair marks. Compared to Can't yours. Can't even tell that there was anything there. I hate those guys who just dig their thing in and then just Bring up mud yep. and make the mud flat yep. with the... No, Hate don't it. do that. Hate mate. it. Idiot. Annoying. What about... You missed one. <laughs> yeah. You missed one. Okay. The guy who leaves the rake on the uh, face oh. of the bunker. <laughs> mate, I can't walk past the bunker. Yeah. If there's a, and by the way, golfers, if you believe in karma, and yeah. I do, if you see a rake on the side of a, a, a lip or something, go and fix it. Yep. Good, good things happen to good people. Mm-hmm. Just do it. Yep. If you see a big foot mark, and you know you might not even be in the bunker, just, just get in, give it a quick rake. Good things happen to nice people. Yep. go and do it. It's a Help good thing out your members. Hey, quick one before we get to the break. Yeah, little mini masterclass, and it's more so to do with my camera. Jeez, very. It's all about you today, is, Jules. Uh, playing in the rain and don't like it, but sometimes you got to do it. Yeah. Now, when the glove gets wet, the grip gets wet. Yep. Your hands are wet. Everything's wet. Yes, yes. How do we stop the club from slipping on the downstroke? No, you've got to have two gloves. You can't have that. You know the old glove? You know when you just about had enough of that one glove? Yep. You're just about to. It's probably got two rounds left. Mm-hmm. The two round left glove 
<laughs> is very important on the rainy day yes. when you have to play. Yep. So you've got to have that one glove mm. that's probably got two or three rounds left. You know, usually they last about, I don't know, 20, 30 rounds if you're mm. an amateur player. Yep. The one that's got two and not many big holes, got to keep that one. They've always got to have that spare one because the only way you can do it is when you've got the umbrella up, you've got one glove under the umbrella, strapped to the top, ah, yes. and then you use the other glove. So while one glove is drying off under your umbrella in the soaking rain, mm-hmm. and the other one is gradually getting wetter and wetter, and then once it's dried out a little bit, you do the swaparoo, yep. and you put your glove nice. up under the umbrella on, what do you call those things, the sticks that hold the umbrella? Stems? The stems. <laughs> stems will do. <laughs> put the glove, you know, put, get the... Um, uh, the Velcro uh-huh. and stick it up there. So one glove dries, yep. the other one slowly gets wet. And you've just got to do the swaparoo the whole way around. Don't mind. Nothing you can do. Yeah. Don't mind. The old switcheroo. Good tip. The old switcheroo works for so many things. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> got to get to a break, Marco. Lots we're going to hear from some of the boys. We're going to hear some players from uh, during the week because they're fascinating before a, uh, a Masters. Oh, uh, it's always nice. A, Major championships. It's always nice to marry up what they were thinking before they started to where they are just at the moment. Yeah, all right. We'll uh, hear from them right after this on The Clubhouse. In your life, have you seen anything like that? You're listening to The Clubhouse. Yeah, welcome back. Julian Bayard, Mark Allen with you. We're talking all things golf right across Australia on the Clubhouse. Time to go inside the Clubhouse for Club Mandalay Golf Course, Melbourne's newest golfing experience in the north. It's uh, Melbourne's newest golf course located just off the Hume Highway in Melbourne's north, clubmandalay.com.au. Great coffees and a mean toasted sandwich up there. Yes, please. And green fees seven days a week too. Yes, Saturday as well. Mm. Thank you. Seven days a week, clubmandalay.com.au. Wow. All the details. Book you round. It's great. Mm. Hey, love hearing from the big guns yes pre-major championship let's marry things up how they're yeah. feeling beforehand versus how they're tracking right now got four of them marco four yeah. of the men we want to hear jason day of course let's go to him first let's have a listen jason day during the week it's great to be uh be here you know this is my agent's backyard and i've you know i came here when i was 18 and, and played oak one for the first time and um you know almost feels feels like home just because of where he's from and um yeah, yeah i played great uh you know i've being very close to winning a US Open, especially over the last few years, and um, had two second place finishes. And um, obviously, one of them wasn't that close with Rory, you know, kind of blowing the field out. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it, this is this is one tournament that is very stressful, and I, I feel like I, I thrive under stress, and, and and hopefully I can do that this you know this year. Well, I mean, I've always said it, you know, ever since I started playing uh, major golf, is that you have to uh, you have to come in two major championships and 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 they have your attitude has to be on point you have to have a good attitude regardless of what situation is i mean you saw it last year at um chambers bay with some a lot of the professionals complaining about the about the greens that's it just doesn't help um yeah this this year we got tougher off the greens are tough practically the whole course is tough um and you just got to go with it and, and try and play your best and, and, and hope, hope for the best sometimes but um, yeah I mean attitude is, is huge and I think you know when you're in stressful situations like you are at US Opens where this, this is usually the toughest course we play every single year 
Number one golfer there, Marco. Yeah, loves right a presser. Yeah. Loves a presser. He's always sick. Why don't we hear from the other... Yeah, I know. What's going on? I think he likes the vitamin B shot. Yeah. <laughs> Get some OJ in you. Yeah, something. <laughs> Do something, <laughs> mate. That's what happens when you have two young kids running around soup. with you all day. Yeah, that's right. Who hey, we got uh, next? Adam Scott. Yeah, Might beautiful. Well go to Australian. Let's do that. Um, had packed press conference. Come on, Scotty. Scott. Let's have a listen. Trying to think about it logically, you're just going to have to hit hit fairways. Uh, no matter what club and strategy you have off the tee, the guy who wins Sunday is going to have to hit some fairways. Uh, it'd be surprising if he got it around here Sunday, scrambling and won the tournament. I'm sh- uh, with the caliber of players here and. Whoever's in the form this week, I think the guy Sunday he goes out and hits the fairways is going to give himself the best chance for the most birdies. You're going to make some errors, but you're going to have to be in the short grass to make enough birdies. Putting it all together is the key. I could be the best putter on the field this week, but if I didn't hit a fairway, I probably won't have a chance. Uh, you know, I'll just struggle around all week and uh, somehow I'm going to have to put it all together. But I do feel it's a bit of a leveler, these greens, if I didn't say that before. You know, they're so difficult, the long-range stuff and the speed that's involved. Um, Of course, someone's going to make some long putts, but I I think it's going to be much tougher than usual. And, And leaving... You have to be so careful on really long putts over 40 feet. If you're just a foot or so offline, they can really get away from you and end up breaking 12 feet away from the hole um, without hitting that bad a putt. It's going to be interesting to see how he goes on the greens, Adam Scott, I reckon, Marco. I think the claw helps. The really, really, really fast greens, Mm. when you use the claw putting grip, because when you use the claw, you don't use the claw. Mm. The claw is a passenger. So whatever is your claw hand... It is a full-on passenger when you putt. So on fast greens, it should help Adam Scott. Next man we're going to have a listen to is the Irishman. Hey, Rory McIlroy. Rory McIlroy. The number one driver as far as strokes gained on the US tour. Let's take a listen. You know, we were talking there on the back nine earlier. It's just you you have to be so disciplined and... You know, whether it be with with targets, I think one of the one of the real challenges about this golf course, especially after they've taken so many trees away, is it's a big wide open space now, and you're hitting into these tight fairways, and and there, there's not really a whole lot of definition out there. So you have to be so you know zoned into where you want your targets to be, and, and I th- it's probably a little easier for us this week than it is for the members because we have you know grandstands to hit at and TV towers and whatever where you know, members play in this place day in day out they don't have anything to aim at out there it's really it's really hard to get your to get your targets off the tees and, and, and into the greens and you know we were talking on 16 there I mean I think for me no matter where that pin is on that green if you hit it at those two TV towers and try to land it seven or eight paces on the green you're always going to leave yourself you know a, a decent leave to whatever pin that is so I think you just have to be really disciplined and trust the numbers and trust that you know you could be you know you could go a whole round here without hitting at any pin you know and and just trust that where you're hitting it into the spots is the best leave and and giving yourself the best I mean I'd much rather have a, a 30 foot putt up the hill on these greens than than even an eight footer down the hill you know so you just have to be so disciplined and know that 
you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm a, an aggressive player as well, so there's just going to be times where I'm going to have to rein it back a little bit. There is Marco Rory McIlroy. Now, the next man is perhaps my favourite man to hear from, Big Phil. I love Phil, Phil Mickelson. He's great before He's majors. awesome, and he uh, gives you a great insight. He's fun, and mm. uh, probably the best time you get him is before. You know, before the week, I said he couldn't possibly win. Yeah. Mm. Let's, let's see how he was feeling before the tournament started. I think that um, it accomplishes the goal that the, the, the members want, which is to have the hardest course in, in the world or in America or wherever. And I think they've accomplished that. I think that there's no reprieve uh, off the tee. There's no reprieve into the greens. And there's no, certainly no reprieve on the greens. These greens are way more difficult to putt than Augusta's because where the hole locations are, they're pitched twice as much. And uh, the green speeds are, are comparable. Now, with all that being said, I believe it also gives me the best chance because after 25 years, um, you you have to really uh, know how to play this style of golf. It's just not like a regular tour event. It's not like going out and playing golf at, at any other golf course. This is a, a whole different uh, style of, of golf, something that over the years I've become very effective at playing. And, and because of that, I, I would love to see it cross the line the way uh, U.S. Opens often do and become uh, a little bit over the edge. That, that actually benefits me because we're going to have a winner at the end of the week. Whatever that score is, who cares if it's you know, five under or 12 over, it doesn't matter. The lowest score wins. And so I don't, I, I would like to see it go over that edge because I feel like I've learned how to play that style of golf. And, and this golf course uh, specifically, uh, even though past performance hasn't been it, over those, those two uh, opens, over the times that I've prepared, I feel like I've developed a game plan now coming in that, that will allow me to shoot the lowest score. But you still have to execute. You still have to hit great shots, make putts. I think the hardest par four I've ever seen in my life is the ninth hole. Now, theoretically, it's a par five that they just slapped a four on the, on the card. But that, that green is extremely difficult to get a wedge close. And we're coming in there with three and four irons. And there's no area to miss of the, off the fairway. You, you, if you miss it left, you're in the hazard. If you miss it right and you're a bunker, you're wedging out. So you have to hit the fairway. Then when you hit the green, you have one of the most difficult two putts of any, any green out here in any, any golf course we play. So I think the ninth hole is the hardest par uh, that, that I think I've ever seen. There he is, Marco. Let's see how your mission goes as the weekend unfolds. <laughs> it's all for Club Mandalay, Melbourne's newest golfing experience in the north, just 20 minutes from Melbourne Airport, off the Hume Highway. Clubmandalay.com.au. we got to get to a break. Masterclass Masterclass Yeah, you want to hang around next. for this one. It's a ripper. We'll get back to that right after this. Marco's Masterclass. Uh, we were talking in the ad break, Marco, about Marco's Masterclass. It's where you get mm. the best lesson in radio on golf. And I was asking you for a little putting tip, and you've just given it a, well, I've done that 15 times. 15 times, mate. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I'll show you after the program. I'll show you again after so, the sorry program. Sorry about that. No worries. Now, today, footwork. It's always very, very yes. important in golf. I, I, I use footwork all the time because it's so important where your weight is distributed. Now, so many people, when they get their weight in the right spot, Finally, they get the weight in the right spot. Mm. They've been on their heels their whole life, and they start to move their feet to where it feels like their feet are sinking into the ground. If you if you stand at the golf ball at a dress and you're not feeling like your feet are sinking into the ground, then your feet aren't doing the right stuff. Yeah. But once people have finally done that, you know the only bad place you can really be uh, is on your heels. Once people have finally moved to the front of their feet or to where they feel like their feet are sinking into the ground, the very first thing they do in their golf swing is all the weight goes back Mm. to their heels. And if that happens, if all the weight goes straight back to the heels right at the very first turning point in your golf swing, the takeaway, then everything moves. 
your 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 centres of your golf swing, you know, the hubs of your golf swing, yep. they move out of whack. So it is very, very important. I'm only going to say this once, Jules, so listen, because I know you don't listen. This is normally <laughs> your switch-off time. I listen every week, Marco. It's when you start your backswing, your weight does not go straight back to the heels. The weight stays basically in the same spot when you start your takeaway. So many people throw the club back, mm. and in, in an effort to throw the club back, their weight goes all over the place. So when you start your turn, when you start your backswing, your weight on your feet Stay the same. Yep. Don't throw. Don't get. Don't start in the right place back. and then whiz back to the heels. Don't do that because you're chasing your tail for the rest of your swing. Always so a really simple one. Stay on that front. Sink in feeling. That's right. Get your feet sinking into the ground. Yep. So if your weight, you can imagine, if your weight's on the heels, by definition, the rest of your feet are just kind of up in the air. Yep. So you've you've got to have both feet planted. Into the ground. Like it. And if it's the first time you've done it, normally, like I said, you start your swing and whoosh, yes. back you go onto the heels and now you're stuffed. And all that hard work and all the fiddling around yeah. is out the window. So no once you start your turn, keep the weight in the same place. Beautifully done, Marco. Hey. Great masterclass. Yeah. Now, uh, fingers crossed. Fingers, fingers crossed, crossed. For a Australian winner. All the latest scores come up in the news. Come on. It'd be Make nice. Sure you stay tuned. Catch you next week. We'll see you next week, Marco. Full wrap of the US Open. We'll see you then.